0: Hey folks, John here from AS4Alcoholic once again. Today's conversation is with Dr. Dustin Dunbar. He has a PhD and MA in psychology from Saybrook University. Uh, he has worked as a life coach, crisis counselor, and health counselor, mental health counselor all over the United States. He was nice enough to come on and talk to me about his new book that should be coming out next year called The Alcohol Matrix. And he had some interesting ideas about the conscious and subconscious and how we have subconsciously been programmed to think that alcohol is okay. And it was an interesting conversation because we, we differed on a couple of points, mostly semantics. And I always enjoy hearing other people's perspectives on sobriety, on recovery, and, and on alcoholism. So without further ado... Here is my conversation with Dr. Dustin Dunbar. What was one of the first experiences with alcohol or with um, behaving alcoholically in your life, whether it be through a parent or as a young person?
1: So, yeah, it goes back to growing up in the Midwest and with my father and grandfather. I'd always heard the stories of how my grandfather was basically like an Oklahoma bootlegger kind of guy, you know, on the farm and whiskey and the whole deal and overalls. His dad was like Oklahoma land run and just whiskey was part of their, you know, culture. And Mm -hmm. uh, having come from Scotland, Ireland, England descent, and just that in general, uh, you're a man if you can handle your drink and you're not a man if you cannot. And so I remember hearing a lot of that stuff, you know, Deep in my unconscious mind, you know. Now looking back, and just being like, I got to be a man and be able to handle my drink and that kind of stuff. Growing up, Uh, my father definitely, you know, didn't drink a lot uh, until I was a little bit older, and then he just once he started, it was just full on. It it just hit him really hard with the addiction, Um, and so both my grandfather and father went into AA. Uh, They both uh, got unaddicted to alcohol. I don't, sober to me is a word that, uh, means you're boring and, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I try to stay away from the word sober. I, I say, okay. Uh, the person is not addicted to alcohol anymore.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. It's, it, it. the last thing that I am now is sober. I am excited, happy, joyous. Um, I'm not boring at parties. I'm not, uh, uh you know, downbeat or anything whatever you look up sober in the dictionary it's this
0: mm. whole it's
1: this whole thing that's like like basically boring and right. i'm like eh, yeah that's not my life that's not who i am at all um so i really stay away from that and i also try to stay away from the word alcoholic so i say once was addicted to alcohol <laughs> uh stuff like that you know different language different terms that sure. uh, i think i think the new uh, approach is really leaning towards and and helping people realize that once uh, their unconscious mind and their conscious mind both come to an agreement that alcohol has zero benefit for you in any way and actually has a negative benefit, mm-hmm. <laughs> a negative effect, uh, and kills everything it touches. Um, once people's unconscious mind and conscious minds both come into agreement, there's no more reason ever that somebody would ever drink alcohol. And so that's sure. where I'm getting at. And, and it's so you're going to hear me talk a lot about the unconscious mind and the conscious mind today. So I even said it whenever I was a kid, you know, it's seeping in, uh, at that point. But in now that I'm fully awakened to what alcohol is, I also realize that the collective unconscious. So whenever you say, what's your first memories of mm-hmm. alcohol in your childhood? Well, a big part of this book is going into the collective unconscious. So I get into where alcohol has been. We were born with a belief that alcohol is somehow good for us, and that is from the collective unconscious. So, for example, whenever a soldier is in, let's say, 10,000 BC Asia, laying on a field with an arrow through his leg, um, and the only painkiller available at that time was guess what? Alcohol. Okay. So, and readily available. They had herbs, they had things like that, but I'm talking about readily available on the battlefield. The only thing that was there was alcohol. So first they pour the alcohol on the leg, you know, try to clean it and all that. Then they say, okay, here's a stick bite on this. Here's some alcohol, drink the hell out of it. And we're going to pull this arrow out of your leg. So you can imagine the excruciating pain that goes into that. Well, with alcohol, yes, it does temporarily alleviate pain. Okay. We all know that proven scientific Mm -hmm. fact. Uh, So if that's all that you have available at that time, and then for 10,000 years of human history, guess what we have as a painkiller that's readily available. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in our collective unconscious, we sit there and we go, okay, It's good for us. We have this deep unconscious belief, and 95% of our behaviors, emotions, actions are from the unconscious. It's a proven scientific fact. All, you know, neurologists, things like that—they all say, "Okay, yeah, we're 95, we're conscious of five percent of our actions." So, if the unconscious mind is sitting there saying, "You have a deep belief that alcohol is good for you." uh, in some way, it benefits you in some way, whether it be social relaxation, uh, you know, pain from childhood traumas, uh, anything you can imagine, even physical pain at the end of the day, you've been working, laying tile all day, whatever it is that has been, uh, in our whole human history, uh, what we've seen as, uh, a pain relief Mm -hmm. and to, to, to finally now that we're evolving out of that and to see it as wait a minute there's so many other ways to that we we don't need this to alleviate pain like this this substance this addictive substance to alleviate pain there's so many other ways through meditation yoga all these other things even even pharmaceuticals that aren't addictive okay right. now there's obviously a lot of pain <clears throat> medicines out there that are addictive that we have yes. of Uh, and yes, (laughs) but your body, your body will heal itself is my point. If Mm -hmm. your conscious and unconscious mind are agreement that outside substances, especially substances that are addictive. So uh,
0: can I, yeah, can I ask you, so one of the things that's interesting to me is, and I read, um, this naked mind with Annie Grace and as somebody who, um, I've been sober or, you know, how, if you, if, like not addicted to alcohol for five years now. Um, I don't have a problem with the word sober. Right. I, you know, I had, don't have a problem calling myself an alcoholic. Yep. Um, you know, I went through AA, I went through, I mean, and I genuinely 100% believe that it saved my life in a way that, that I don't think anything else could have. Um, what I find interesting though, and when I read her book, there was, um, at first I remember thinking like, Hey, you know, I felt a sting of pain, like, no, that's the thing that saved my life. You're attacking. And then I said, well, calm down, John, it's okay. And I, and I read the whole thing and I found it really interesting. And the idea of the semantics is very important for some people. And, and so, you know, I like to have people on who have because sobriety is varied, right? Recovery from alcohol is varied and it, it takes what it takes for different people. And I don't, you know, I don't believe that what got me sober is going to necessarily work for everyone, right? Exactly. We know it doesn't. Yes. Um, but can you talk a little bit about like, the importance of those words and why, why those words don't work for you, alcoholic, sober? Yeah.
1: The, for number one, it's alcoholism. You know, we love the word alcoholic. Shopaholic chocoholic. We love all these words, that, that, that holic word, right? It's just a fun play on it. But when you really get down into the semantics of it, what you're saying is you, that that person is that for life, right? Mm-hmm. And so you say, oh, I am an alcoholic. Okay. Well, for me, I I was addicted to alcohol. Okay. I am no longer addicted to alcohol. So I am not an alcoholic. It's a very... Huh very big distinction because I have no desire whatsoever to drink alcohol and I never will because my unconscious mind and my conscious mind know completely 100% agree that this is a poisonous, addictive substance that is very dangerous. And it's extremely dangerous that we need to treat just like cigarettes. Mm -hmm. The fact that my, my, my uncle and my, other, I had two uncles, Uncle John and Uncle uh, uh, Gene, that both died in the, about the same time when I was young. And one of them died of cancer from smoking, okay? One of them died from alcohol poisoning, basically, his liver exploded from, you know, from drinking too much. Okay, everybody at the time says that alcohol is, uh, oh, poor John, you know, he couldn't handle his alcohol. Well, the whole time, I look back at that, and I'm like, what about poor gene that couldn't handle his cigarettes we got to start looking at this as a as a addictive substance and not blaming the person who gets addicted for something that we're all saying oh it's so social it's so fun hey on your 21st birthday let's go to celebrate and you can start drinking this addictive substance with us oh no you're 30 years old now you're addicted to it because you drank too much of it oh oh you couldn't handle your alcohol this has got to stop. We have to start really blaming the substance and treating it just like cigarettes. I'm not saying ban it like, like prohibition or anything like that. Like whatever. that's, that's just, that doesn't work. And I'm saying, but I'm saying we got to start looking at this substance like for what it is, which is extremely dangerous. My children, I do not want them growing up in a world where everything, like I just watched a crown Royal apple, uh, uh, commercial with them and it's on and it's this beautiful golden bottle glistening, and purple and the sun's shining and people are having the best times of their lives because of this this elixir this that is this substance that looks amazing and i'm like and it's apple and i'm like of course my kids my kids are like wow what's that dad it looks like a jolly rancher and i'm like that is 35 percent alcohol in that thing that is whiskey that is yeah. that it's poison. 35% of that's poison. Yeah. Everything else in it's, you know, sugar, things like that. But what I'm saying is we got to get to the point where we look at this and say, look, advertising needs to change tremendously, just like it has with cigarettes. Uh, And that's what I'm pushing in the book is like, look, you, you can't be just telling kids and stuff that it's okay to drink this all the time and let's go celebrate and drink copious amounts of it, (laughs) things like that. So okay, so I got. I always get off tangent. I get excited. That's fine. That's fine. No, no Uh, problem.
0: No problem. But I mean, as a young, as a young man, as a young, you know, as a kid, like when did you start? When did you have your first drink, or when did you? What led you to that?
1: Yeah. So everybody always says, you know, oh, it was because the girl was drinking, or you know, my boys were drinking. You know, it's almost like social uh, peer pressure. You know, things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's what I would have told you probably. 10 years ago you know whenever i wasn't awake out of this whole thing and now what i'm telling you is because i had a deep unconscious belief that alcohol benefited me in some way um and that unconscious belief led me to sit there and go okay i and and the fact of the defective theory that whenever i would go to my dad's and grandpa's aa meetings The defective theory, they kept saying, well, they have this gene or this allergy, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I'd sit there and I'd go, well, I don't think, I think I can handle my alcohol. I don't think my grandfather and dad, it sounds like to me, they couldn't really handle it. And then I'd take my first beer and I'd say, hmm, I'm not going crazy. I think I'm okay. And then I'd take my second beer. I'm not going crazy. I think I'm okay sip 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 drip 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 with the poison addictive poison once anybody consumes enough of this addictive Mm -hmm. substance anybody can get addicted so that's what i'm saying is is that yes it was a deep unconscious belief that uh it actually benefited me some way make me more popular uh give me self-confidence able to dance better but Mm -hmm. i've seen the videos and I don't, I definitely did not dance better on
0: alcohol. (laughs) Sure. Um, so, so in, you know, I think some of the critique, I think some of the critiques of AA, I, I, I think there's some, some parts of the program that, um, that I see as problematic. Um, and, and, um, you know, you talk about defects and for me, one of the things that you know again just to push back a little bit on what you're saying you know uh, the it allowed me to kind of see the other problems in my life it helped me to clear my head and it got me you know it got me sober and then i said hey you know and and when i was going through the steps with my sponsor at one point he said john um there are some things you you may need to get professional help with that i will not be able to help you with he was a very wise man and so you know he he just basically said there's there's other problems here that you need to address and i can help you with this one and so um maybe i don't know that necessarily my addiction to alcohol you know you might say is not the defect it's the problem with the with the substance but it allowed me to Develop the tools to work on the other things. Absolutely, my life. I'm saying, hey,
1: whatever works. This isn't a competition. Right, right. Uh, (laughs) We're kind of breaking up here on the screen and stuff. Uh huh. So let me know if you can't hear me.
0: No, I can still hear you. Yep. Yeah, you're just frozen.
1: But oh, there you are. Okay, there we go. All right. So yeah, whatever works for people is amazing. That's great. However, you got sober. That hey, best. Awesome. Let's let's do it. Let's yes. get on it. I don't care if it requires jumping off a building and breaking your arm to realize. You know when you had to drink a beer, mm-hmm. the, the the pain of. I don't care what it is. If right. a bee stung you whenever you had your first drink, I've heard of crazy stuff that people don't drink because a bee stung them whenever they were seven years old and they had their first beer at the same time. Like I'm like, right. we should do that with every kid. <laughs> like so, stuff like that. It doesn't matter. This isn't a competition right. in how what yeah. is the best way at all. What this is is new science is coming out with brain scans back in 1935. Bill you know, all in life is to find the cure for alcohol addiction. And they were using the best things that they could at the time. And they were saying, okay, it looks like a certain amount of people, whenever they drink, they absolutely become alcoholics, right? Stop, they just fall off the cliff. Uh, pretty much immediately and so what we're seeing now is just like any drug well some people do that with you know crack cocaine why why does 50% of people uh, immediately get hooked on on crack whenever they f- smoke it for the first time fifty percent don't you know there's mm-hmm. there's things going on inside and a lot of it what we're finding is with childhood trauma is a, is a huge part of it you know that too but i'm not saying that everybody who Drinker have had child uh, that's just it's the facts are not there it's you know like 63 percent is what they're saying of of heavy drinkers have had childhood trauma so it is a high majority of people who drink a lot and become addicted to alcohol have that but what i am saying is that anybody who drinks consumes enough of alcohol will yeah. become addicted and that yeah. is an addictive substance period. Yeah. So that's what we got to get the point across and just out there. And, and the, the defective theory, the problem with the defective theory that that my grandpa and my dad had an allergy or a genetic uh, problem inside them. The problem with that is what that teaches young children like myself that I went through is, well, how do I know if I'm defective or not unless I consume the substance? Okay. Right. So I started drinking it, thinking, "Well, I don't think I have it," and saying, "I hope I don't have it." But I was always, caught, I was always like, well, "Maybe I do, maybe I don't." My, my, all this stuff. And now I'm realizing that you just everybody has to be extremely careful with this addictive substance. I want my children growing up knowing that this is a toxic, uh, addictive substance. That yes, they have made it into Thousands of years of, of, of working with it, mm-hmm. they've made it into this uh, you know beautiful, tasting thing. Why is that like with food? Everybody's like, "Oh, I drink it because of the taste of the food. Well, it makes my food taste better We're, I'm talking about wine, uh, yes you know and you know <laughs> French wine and oh the, the oakiness, the, the beautiful, supple vanilla notes, you know, you get into all this this stuff, and that's thousands of years of working with this to perfect it, where it offsets and disguises the rotten fruit. Alcohol, mm-hmm. ethanol, is, is, is rotten fruit. That is where <laughs> we get that. That's the, that's the buzz. That's the alcohol substance, ethanol. Rotten vegetables and rotten fruit. So I want my children to definitely know that you, you can't sit there and say that you or do not have an allergy or a, or a, or a gene that may or may not allow you to handle your alcohol. What you need to know 100% is that is an addictive substance. And then if you drink a lot of it, you're gonna get addicted and it's gonna ruin your life. That's what I want my children to know. So be very careful with it. Smoke, go ahead, smoke cigarettes. You're, hey, you're 18, you're an adult, smoke cigarettes. But I want you to know on that package even, it says mm-hmm. that this causes cancer. Well, beer, all this stuff, all these labels, there's only one label, pregnancy. If you're pregnant, alcohol, right. don't, don't drink alcohol. That is it.
0: Do you like and great? I'm like, I found are, my are you kidding me? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Three, like, yeah. Like, and it's because we have a, the, the society still has a deep collective unconscious belief that alcohol benefits us in some way. And until we get out there, like I'm trying to do right now and say, scream from <laughs> the tops of the mountains, just like cigarettes. Uh, we got to get rid of, we got to not get rid of, we got to get rid of treating this as life's elixir, life's right. big, you know, golden apple stuff. Whenever 35% of it, guess what that is? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's a killer.
0: It yeah. really is. I, I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we've, we've talked about it on the podcast about the level of marketing and advertising that goes into it. I was, you know, I was a bartender for, 15 years and I mean all the shiny pretty bottles Uh, and all the stories behind it and I mean that was part of it that's how I made my living for you know for a very long time was promoting it and being excited about it and talking about it and you know oh what's the new hot thing and what's the the oldest thing and the you know all this stuff and so the marketing is you're right it's awful and um (laughs) it's it, because it's not, it's not truthful. And and you're right. I, I agree that you want to go ahead and drink, go ahead and drink. Like it's, I would not, I would not right. admonish you and nor do I believe in prohibition in any way. Cause right. as we know, we've tried it. It doesn't yeah. work.
1: It doesn't work. <laughs> That's great. That's
0: um, fine. Yeah. so did you, did you begin like drinking, you know, in high school or like what age? Yeah,
1: yeah. it was, it was high school. I had older brothers and sisters and Uh, they drank, and so they, you know, and then the whole town pretty much, I mean, Oklahoma is where it was, and Mm -hmm. I mean, there, you know, the whole keggers out in the oil fields, and that kind of thing, and uh, so yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of the beer stuff, and then of course, somebody would bring some stupid thing like Mad Dog 2020 out, or something like that, you know, all that stuff comes out whenever the cheapest, Boone's Farm, whatever, and all that, and so, yeah, you just start in high school, and then throughout college I played basketball uh in college and uh so that sports really helped me stay away from it uh, Mm -hmm. a lot because I'd be like no I got to play a game and this and that and like you know training whatever um but once sports were over I was like hey it's party time and why not you know and felt like I could handle my drinks and stuff like that so but I always in the back of my head I was always like this stuff is dangerous I don't know it's 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 always been that bug, you know, I, and from family descent and everything like that, and just, and just seeing people in general, you know, you look back and you're like, were they really having fun, you know? like, <laughs> And when did I have the most joy in my life? And the most joy was not drinking. It was from, you know, things like athletics or, or social events where there wasn't alcohol involved mm-hmm. and it was real. Uh, uh, there was real relationships, you know, it wasn't people, trying to hide, you know, from being insecure, uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, so definitely, yes, the answer is high
0: school. <laughs> um, and so, and I read a little bit, I read the, what you sent me, the first chapter in the synopsis, um, you talk about <clears throat> traveling the world and, you know, living the life and, and, and just, and really buying into that, even though you say in the back of my mind, I know this doesn't feel right because certainly i was the same way it didn't it never stopped me from drinking anyway because i was hooked um yeah and you go on and can you talk a little bit about the you know supposed you know highlights of this time drinking and and living this wonderful life or or supposedly thinking you were
1: Yeah. I was working on my master's degree in California and also bartending on the beach as yourself, you know, doing the bartender job. And I, while I was bartending and working on my master's degree, part of my master's degree, it was a meditation program. And so we had to meditate for class and that was like two hours a day. And, you know, so wow. I was doing that and I was bartending and I would go in after, after meditating that much and go bartending in then I would have all these drunks that I'm serving. And just I would just I was just grossed out by the whole I was just like, what is it like, and working? Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to be with it and not drink. And so I didn't drink for a year. Uh, while I was doing that. And I was probably 23, 24, Got in great shape. I was surfing and then a uh, guy from Ford models comes up and says, Hey, do you want to go and model in Italy uh, and do underwear modeling and all this, you know, stuff. And I'm like, ah, sounds kind of fun. <laughs> you know, I mean, I got nothing else going on. So um, I packed up and found myself in Milan, Italy, and I'm surrounded by Victoria's Secret models at a party. Whenever I first get there, it's when Versace was just killed. And so they had this huge party for Johnny. And uh, and I'm, I'm, I just remember being there and going, man, I, I'm only two years removed from an, being an Okie, you know, and just being like kind of, not really knowing the world and stuff like that. And just standing there with these gorgeous women, high heels, they're, you know, towering over me and being like, this is incredible. And one of them hands me a uh, martini, you know, and I just remember this really in specifically, because I hadn't had a drink in over a year and I, I have it, and I can, I'm like, why doing this kind of thing, but she's doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it was just that, that moment sure. of, okay, my, well, uh, everybody else is doing it. Let's go. And so we start having the martini, you know, have one. And then just next day, I remember feeling terrible, all this stuff, but I'm like, well, I, had, I went in and start drinking here. I'm not meditating anymore as well. So that's a big part of it too. You know, I stopped meditating when I was over there the class was over, um, and started having wine dinners and, you know, just, it, just sipping on Italian wine And from there, it just kept getting progressively more and more and more, you know, and not, not, you know, doing crazy like blacking out shots and and things like that. What which Americans are known for in in Italy? That's like, why would you do a shot of alcohol? They don't do shots. Yeah,
0: I so I lived with well, he stayed with us, but there was a gentleman, and this is years ago, from Italy, Francesco, and he lived with us for about four months, and we'd go out drinking together, and all of us would get hammered wasted and he's like what are you guys doing Americans are so weird you know we sit and if I had like one little glass of something I would sip on it and I, we would be you know staying up until three or four in the morning sipping our our, our drinks our grappa yeah. or whatever and right. you guys are just getting hammered and passing out at like 10 30 at night you're drinking so much yeah so it was totally that dis- totally disconnected to anything yeah.
1: I've spent a lot of time in Italy and
0: Uh they
1: they have a very slow pace over there of life in general. And we have this work ethic over here. Like you got to make money. You got to, you know, you have two days off on the weekends and then you're going to work 40 to 60 hours throughout the Mm -hmm. week. And then you have two weeks of vacation, throughout the year period, they have, you know, a whole month off called Faragosta, mm-hmm. which is August, the whole month of August off, their weekends are off, they don't have a lot of credit card debt, it's a whole different slower pace, and of course, they've been, you know, drinking wine and stuff like that forever, so it's much more uh, refined kind of thing, and see, uh, yeah, so it's not about, for them, for sure, the whole just getting wasted, I mean, yeah, there were some teenagers and stuff sure. running around, doing but but in general, yeah, totally different aspect. And and it kind of goes to my point about cigarettes. Right? <laughs> How we're now doing this. Like, okay. Cigarette a month or something like that. You know, it's you know, and we're like, okay, that's, you know, but you, if you sit there and smoke cigarettes over and over and over, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get addicted. You're going to get cancer. We all know this now. So we're all like, to our kids, we're like, yuck, that's disgusting. That's gross. What are you yeah. doing? You can't be doing this. This is a very toxic substance. Well, alcohol has been a carcinogen, deemed a carcinogen since 1987. Okay. Why aren't we it? cigarettes a carcinogen the same thing that causes cancer um so th- it, the point is like that i feel like in europe they do a better job of you know treating alcohol with respect um than, you know pounding shots and yeah. saying oh it's so fun and this and that and that kind of thing so yeah
0: okay and so as you are um modeling underwear in milan <laughs> and you know be you begin to drink again and fairly heavily
1: yeah i mean it wasn't you know in italy like i said it was it wasn't heavily considered okay. you know cuz you know a couple couple glasses of wine a night okay. dinner that kind of thing it was a progressive increase and it just the the you know that we've seen over and over and over mm-hmm. that the more you consume the more you need to get the high the more alcohol tolerant you become mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, well one glass didn't really give me that, you know, uh, didn't erase my childhood trauma so well. Yeah. So how about yeah. how about another glass to erase my childhood trauma? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so now there it is. The childhood trauma is gone for a good, what? 20 minutes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, And then now here comes the dehydration. Here comes the, the hangover. Here comes the yelling and screaming and, and just all right. the negative benefits, mm-hmm. the temporary, the temporary, I don't even call it a high, the temporary dulling of the senses. Uh, people call it a high. You know, you get a the, they say an alcohol, you get a high. I'm like, alcohol deadens everything. It, it, it doesn't make you high. Well, you, it erases it. It literally blanks that out. And so that is not a high to me. That's your brain cutting down. And so like shutting down and saying, Oh, it's not there anymore. So, which is very different from, you know, some sort of energetic, like, uh, endorphins firing high. So, yeah.
0: So when you, so you're, you're, you're living this, this high life, so to speak. And, um, and this goes on for a while. Do you, what is the moment now you say you grew up and you had this notion that alcohol was bad. Right. So, yeah. and I think, I think some of us have that too growing up and we see our parents or our grandparents drinking and we're like, yeah, that doesn't seem right. And, and I remember thinking that, you know, even in as a young, early high school, like, yeah, this is not bad until, you know, I started getting drunk, but, <laughs> um, but Did you have a moment of clarity? Did you have a rock bottom of sorts? Was it, was there some, was there one singular moment where the epiphany of like, oh, this thing that I have always had in the back of my mind is what's true. And I need to, (laughs) I need to focus on this rather than the drinking.
1: You know, so yeah. So after the whole, I mean, we're talking about a long time of, of progressively the, poison dripping in and the addictiveness dripping in there wasn't a moment of like me waking up you know in jail or something like that or a DUI or you know some kind of thing like that it was it was a progressive awakening of reading a lot of different stuff that's out there Annie Grace Mm -hmm. you know Jeff Beck uh Catherine Gray there's a lot of these new authors that have that have that are awakened And their unconscious mind is meets and agrees with their conscious mind hundred percent that alcohol has zero benefit, and Mm -hmm. so those people reading that uh, triggered it a lot. And then just with my background, like you're saying, with you know when you're a young child. you know your mind you know you know as a young child that drinking is bad for you you just do every child can see it and they, they've they been around uncle uncles who smell like crap you know that are having mm-hmm. alcohol in their breath and they're like they've seen mom whenever she, they she drinks too much chardonnay yeah. slurring and like you know just treating them not good children have an innate ability to know if somebody is not nice at that time and good and, and they, they just do. And so now it's so funny because I've got young children and they're, they're, they're friends before, you know, didn't really hang around me, whatever. Now I can't get rid of the kids. They're all over me. I'm like the best friend, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm like in it with them. I'm playing with them. I, I'm like happy. I'm a kid again. And this joyous inner child that they know they, they, they gravitate to. Um, so for me, you know, growing up, it's that cognitive dissonance of, yes, we know inside ourselves, our 12-year-old inside who never had a drink, that self knows that alcohol is very bad for us. Whenever we start getting older, that unconscious mind, that adult mind sitting in there going, wait a minute, everybody's telling me to do this. I'm getting older now. I'm 21. Ah, let's try it out. I've heard about it for my whole life and seen it. It's in my face every day, advertising teenagers talking about it hey let's do this let's party whatever let's let's try it out well now and maybe i can handle it you know maybe i can i maybe i'm not like i'm saying uncle john grandpa dad Mm -hmm. all these people and that's what this whole thing is about is we got to get out there that no one can handle it don't think if you're a child a teenager whatever you gotta you can't think like i did that maybe I can handle it. You cannot handle alcohol. Nobody can. It is a very poisonous, addictive substance that will ruin your life. And so, yeah, there's no, there, there wasn't really a a moment for me. Um, It was, it was an awakening. Yeah. It was an educational, like unconscious mind, like literally laying in my bed in Hawaii and uh, uh, like bright white light type awakening uh, where I was just like, I saw the whole, past of human history, alcohol, 15,000 years of it alleviating pain temporarily. And it being the only substance on this earth readily available to alleviate pain temporarily. And that buildup, buildup, buildup of all those years in that collective unconscious being born into this world, this, this earth where we're, we're physical bodies and it hurts. <laughs> it hurts to be yeah. a physical body. There's pain. It hurts yeah. to have uh, childhood trauma; it's it's a painful thing, and pain teaches us great things. Pain is that is the best teacher that there is out there. Once you have that, you're mm-hmm. like, and once you have enough, that's where like rock bottom. What is rock mm-hmm. bottom? It's enough pain has accumulated to where you go, wait a minute, this freaking hurts, <laughs> and I, I gotta I gotta do something about it. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was it was painful. Believe me, I, I started my hangovers were horrible. Uh, I was treating my kids bad. I was treating my spouse bad. I was, I was becoming my father. I was becoming, uh, you know, my, my father beat up my mom. That's where the childhood trauma that I keep talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's dragging her out by her hair in my front yard and the four kids are sitting in the car and I, my, he brings her out by her hair on the ground and shoves her into the car and looks into the car at us four kids who are ages probably, six to 16. And I, we all, we, I could just see in his eyes that he wasn't there. It was not my father. Alcohol had taken over, completely consumed him. And that is where I'm like, okay, I do not blame my father. I blame alcohol. Alcohol is the problem. We have to start putting the blame on alcohol. We do not blame Uncle Gene, whenever he smoked all those cigarettes and got cancer, we blamed the cigarettes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, you're right. We we sit there and we go, oh man, you you know it wasn't his fault. It was the cigarettes' fault. We don't do that with alcohol. We sit there and we go, oh poor, he can't handle his alcohol. That's not. It's an addictive mm-hmm. substance. We got to get that away. And we get that's the point of this.
0: Yeah, I think too. You you brought up childhood trauma multiple times, and it is something that for me at 43 i still have a i I still struggle with it daily and um alcohol was so much of i don't you know the childhood trauma didn't cause my alcoholism uh, but it certainly exacerbated it and it made the desire for even the temporary relief of pain so strong. Um, and it's only been in the last two years. So if I've been sober for five, I mean, three of those were still very, very difficult that I've been able to kind of process things with my father a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's been, uh, and I've more people, uh, people that I talk to, like, this is something that I I hear a lot is that there is things that happen when they're kids and it doesn't have to be. Uh, physical abuse, you know, right. mental, emotional, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's been something that, that if if I had not gotten treatment for it, if I had not talked to somebody, if I had not journaled through it, if I had not processed it, if I had not, um, I am certain that I would have fallen back into drinking at some point, you know? And so it's such an important thing that like you said to clear the fog to 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 get the alcohol out of our system so that you know that we that we can even begin to look at the other things right yeah. i mean yes as a as a um as a psychologist i mean i'm sure you understand i mean obviously it's alcohol is is a huge problem right but in the scope of human, yeah Emotions. I mean, there's so many other things that alcohol gets in the way of, and and masks and covers up, and you know, it's a
1: uh, yeah, it's that whole temporary band aid thing. I mean, what you're doing is temporary, leaving mm-hmm. pain every mm-hmm. time you're you're drinking. There's there's a uh, you're you're trying to make yourself feel better. You're self medicating, right? <laughs> okay. So do you think that drinking more of this is going to cure you from your your mm-hmm. childhood trauma because that this substance this addictive substance that causes cancer is that really what you're thinking here because that that's not a good thought <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's it's not going to happen i can assure you that drinking more alcohol is not going to alleviate the pain of anything except temporarily It'll, it'll do it too. And, and then you're going to wake up and guess what? That childhood trauma is still there and it's getting worse because you're adding fuel to the fire, you know, mm-hmm. drinking alcohol. We, you've probably heard this. It's like for anxiety relief or anything like that. It's like pouring gasoline on a fire to, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're making it worse and it's going to create more problems, more pain. And that's, that's the whole point. So yeah, childhood trauma. I mean, you're not, going to get many places and cure that and, and really get through that if you're drinking it is not gonna happen
0: yeah I had a, um, a, my friend, my co-host on the podcast my best friend you know he talks about he was going to try and see a therapist um, while he was drinking and uh, the therapist basically they sat they had a conversation it was sort of a introduction and the therapist said, here, I'm giving you your money back. Um, we can't do anything until you stop drinking. I can't help exactly. you. Yeah. And that was one of the things where he's like, oh, shit. I, if I continue to drink, I'm beyond help. Um, and Which is not to say if somebody's listening to this and they're still drinking, there is help. Um, yes. Many, many ways to do that. But it was, that was the thing that he realized, oh, all of the other problems in my life I can't even reach them until I beat this one with alcohol. The problem I have yeah. with alcohol. I, and, and
1: I, I just want to give an awesome shout out to that therapist because <laughs> it, you know, that's, that's amazing. Uh, I need his number. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. That's um, awesome because yeah, yeah. And, but like, I would like to reiterate that, you know, you can work on things while you're drinking, of course. Mm-hmm. And especially while you're, you're, de-escalating and while your unconscious mind is is that 95% that's causing you to drink, (laughs) uh, your conscious mind knows that it's not good to drink. Okay, let that five percent knows it's absolutely not good to drink. And you're sitting there going, it's like same thing, you know, with with, but guess what? 95% of your mind is telling you there's a benefit of drinking. So while you're working on you know, reading books and and getting that unconscious mind to agree that there is no benefit and it is an addictive substance and it is causing cancer and uh, Mm -hmm. deaths everywhere. Um, Family abuse, spousal abuse, loss of jobs, all these things. uh, Then once you realize that's, but during that time, please, you know, uh, keep working on your your, uh, childhood trauma as well. But yeah, he's right. You got to You got to work on that one thing. Get that. Uh, just, you know, if you're drinking heavily, then it's very, very unlikely that you're gonna do anything with your childhood trauma.
0: So I don't. I know that it's a bigger. This is this may be some a bit of a reductive question, but how how does how do I get my unconscious mind to be in um, agreement with my conscious mind. What are the, what are some of the steps or, or processes that I can, I can take to help get me out of that feeling that alcohol is good for me in some
1: way. Uh, number one, listening to what I'm saying, (laughs) things like that. Like, like what I'm sitting here doing is talking shit on alcohol and Mm -hmm. there, (laughs) there has been so much, uh, uh, glorifying of alcohol Mm. in your whole life. And, and you're, like I'm saying, you're born into this world where you had this human unconscious belief that alcohol benefited you and and kills pain and and makes you happier and does all these things. What I'm saying is you got to start reading and listening and doing things like this to where your brain starts really understanding, wait a minute, that whole time when I was a kid, I didn't need alcohol and I thought it was bad whenever I saw other people drinking a lot of it and stuff. That was the truth. The truth is that you are not, uh, the problem. Alcohol is the problem. You got reading, keep listening, uh, meditating, praying, um, looking deep inside yourself and asking yourself, what is the truth? Is the truth does alcohol, I ask this in groups a lot of times. I say, okay, I want everybody to raise their hand. Who has seen somebody really benefit drinking alcohol? And I'm not talking about people selling it. I'm not talking about people in the alcohol industry. I'm talking about in their lives by drinking alcohol and consuming it day in, day out, over and over and over. How many people here have really seen a benefit to doing that? Okay, and then very few people, so, you know, whatever. Okay, now I want you to all raise your hands. Who has seen in here, seen somebody who has lost everything from alcohol? Literally, maybe even their lives, like died from alcohol or lost their jobs, lost their family, lost their money. And everybody's like, absolutely, yes. 100% every time somebody knows somebody if it, mm-hmm. even if it's not themselves, usually it's themselves, who had, it had completely killed everything. And that's yeah. what alcohol is good for. It's an, it's an antiseptic. It wipes away germs. It kills everything that it touches. So by consuming this poison that kills everything it touches, ethanol, uh, it's good for running cars and cleaning things. <laughs> that's what it's right. good for. Okay. Uh, and yeah, temporary relieving pain. Hey, you know, if you're on the battlefield and you got an arrow or a gun wound and, you know, all you got there is a bottle of whiskey, go for it. <laughs> you know, right. kill the pain, get through get. it, go for it. But that's what it's, that's all it's good for. That is yeah. it. And then everything after that, you've got to treat it with so much respect. You have to see it as cigarettes, just, just mm-hmm. the exact same thing as cigarettes. Keep going back to that and going, okay, how many cigarettes would I have? Have tonight, would I have one? <laughs> would I have two? That's the same thing. How many drinks could I have tonight? One, two, you it just it's the same thing. So, we, that's that's where we're trying to get at.
0: Yeah, you talk to you meditation and also prayer. And, um, I know that for me in the 12 step program, um, having spiritual practices is really vital and important and more. What I hear from you is this the not only the science of it of what alcohol is versus you know what cigarettes are, but you talk about the unconscious mind. And so, um, how does prayer work in your program? Um,
1: yeah, so, so it's it's for me, it's it's really you got to get inside yourself to be able to live outside. And if you aren't. If your mind is what's called cognitive dissonance, if your mind is split, that's a fancy word, for basically, one side of your mind is thinking one thing, one side of your mind is thinking the other. Oh, I want chocolate tonight. Uh, it, deep inside, I really would like to have this chocolate. The other side of the mind is like, no, I shouldn't have this because I'm on a, I'm on a diet. Okay, I'm trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Anything like that where it's just there's a, there's a dissonance, there's a disconnect that is what prayer meditation all will do for you is enable you to connect up with the unconscious and that your conscious mind and your unconscious mind will start agreeing with each other and you will become closer to your true being true to god to whatever you want to call it to mm-hmm. that pure essence that is within you and once you're connected to that what you are uh and I, people get all crazy about saying god and being sure. and all these things but whatever i i i truly believe that there is a true essence in you soul energy uh you know that is pure joy pure love and is this eternalness of uh and once you tap into that power uh you will be able to agree both sides that why would i drink this substance Mm -hmm. this addictive uh substance whenever i'm in complete total agreement that it's horrible for me and it's horrible if you drink a lot of it uh you know so and it, it just that's that's where the the science and being and god and energy and spirituality uh can meet up is is to get that connected
0: yeah i think too i know for me that god was was a big issue um and trying to understand it and one of the things that came to me that helped me was i read somewhere and i i think it was the I was actually the comedian pete holmes who wrote a book uh called god or comedy sex god or something like that and um in it he saw, talks about god as a metaphor and It's a metaphor because we don't know what it is. So we just use this word and it kind of came to be that, oh, this is just a word. It's a placeholder so that somebody like you and I can have a conversation and then we can go that thing that's inside of you that you believe and that thing that's inside of me that I believe that um, in many ways, I can't completely explain it to you. I just use the word God. And, um, I found that to be extraordinarily helpful in doing my best to bring my unconscious and my conscious together. Um, you know, and, and prayer is, is it's a hard thing to do, let alone understand for, for a lot of people, um, myself included, it took me a very long time, you know, and now part of my prayer work is I write one down every single day. So I have like Every single day in the journal, that's how I start it, is with what do, I, what do I pray for? Who do I pray for? And that really kind of help sets kind of the intention of the day, of what I want to, what I want to see and if it's something far away or if it's something close to my, you know, to my heart. But um, I think it's even from a scientific standpoint, there is a certain level of spiritual connection that is important to me in continuing to not drink you know
1: (laughs) yes yeah if you being an individual and thinking you're separate from everybody else like I believe that you are I am you and you are me Mm -hmm. literally like like and so it helps me connect with you and be part of you and have empathy for you have compassion uh, and then you're outside of yourself if you're if you're just an individual and you're alone and you're walking around in the world and you have this belief that you're separate from everything, that's a hard, painful life. That is yeah. like, you are, it, <laughs> so, it, and that's that connectedness. Like, I think, you know, you're setting the intention for the day. That's that the uh, prayer is, you know, you're, it's a very positive thinking. Your intentions are positive thinking. And they're saying, you know, I want this person to be healthy or want to help. And it's just, it sets that mm-hmm. beautiful uh positivity out there and versus negativity of like, oh no, another day, uh waking up, uh hung gotta go now I gotta go to work, gotta do it all over again. Maybe if I can just get through this, yeah. I'll get another drink. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if I can just get through. So, you know, to to wake up and do that, I think things like that are incredibly powerful for setting the day and, and, and making yeah. that unconscious mind that's, that can have some negative thoughts coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I call it the alcohol matrix and that's that unconscious mind that comes up and it, it tries to deceive you. And it tries to say, you need alcohol to get through this. You know, you, Mm -hmm. alcohol is good. Alcohol benefits you alcohol. Uh, these are all things that it's going to say it kills. It'll help you with all your pain. It'll take it away and it's nothing but complete false monster that's inside of you that you have to see it for what it is. And until you're able to get into that alcohol matrix and, and defeat that unconscious monster, there's going to be issues.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the book and is that the alcohol matrix? Is that Mm -hmm. the, yeah. And then we, I, I think we, you know, we had scheduled this conversation back in March and, um, when is the when is the book coming out? I mean, originally I, you were going to send me a, a copy and yeah. read it, and we did. It just things the world kind of stopped, you know, this year. So, but
1: yeah, and my I have become super Mister Mom where I am and everything because I've got young children. Mm-hmm. So, as anybody knows right now, who's working working from home. Homeschooling, doing, I mean, it's just a complete nightmare of like stress and anxiety. And you know, you're like, oh, God, you're pulled in 17 different directions all the time. Your mind is scattered. So, with that being said, there's been a little pause on the writing and uh, just getting it done. And I want to do it right where I'm in the right mindset. And I also want to be there for my children right now. So, yeah, yeah, there's been a little bit of a a pause on the writing. But uh, anytime I get a chance, usually, early mornings, you know, five, 6am everything's quiet. Nice. I can can get some writing done. Uh, but it's nothing like, you know, used to whenever I started it, I was writing throughout the day while they were at school. Right.
0: That's not the case anymore. Um, so a two, two quick questions before we go. Um, one, is there anything that you still struggle with around
1: alcohol? Yeah, that's a great question. I love that question. Um, Cause you always want to, you know, like think, how can I get better? You know, what, mm-hmm. what is it that I can do better? And you know, that once your unconscious and conscious mind are hundred percent in agreement that alcohol is bad for you, there's nothing left with that. Right. So like I, a lot of people say, Oh, will you ever drink again? I'm like, that's a bullshit question. Uh, because a, the future doesn't exist <laughs> and it never will. We're never going to get to the future. And so we put all, Good point. all this fear And anxiety and stuff on these future questions that you don't know the future. I don't know the future. Nobody has a crystal ball of anything, right? So Mm -hmm. that get the anxiety of that question. Nope. Just stop asking future questions like that. It's don't even ask it in your head. If that comes up in your head, just know that it's a bullshit question. (laughs) Period. And get it and say that is don't ask yourself that. Stay in the present moment and be present with that day nobody's gonna strap you down and make you drink alcohol a lot of people have fear you know going forward of like going to parties things like that and and being able to be in social situations with alcohol once they first quit you know Mm -hmm. it was a big thing for me once I first quit I was like how do I do this you know and, and what do I tell people uh what do I say all these things like oh my gosh and just all this fear of like future events and then when I'm actually there in the moment present I have no problem, whatever. So I'll talk to anybody about anything about it and I'll talk shit on alcohol right there in front of everybody. Like, and, then just let them have it. Like if they ask me, you know, and I don't care because I'm being present and I'm being myself at that time. But to, so that, that's a big thing of like, that I did have issue with was forward thinking, mm-hmm. uh, future thinking. Now I don't have that issue. Um, now my big issue that I have with alcohol is what I'm doing right now is having the energy and finding the energy and time to get out there and to be an advocate to uh, help other people and push this uh, information out there to that. That's what is a deep uh, desire and concern of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, I have plenty of money. I don't need to do this. I'm very successful now um, with, with money and everything. So I don't need to sell books. I don't need, Anything like that? It's just that. So that's my problem with alcohol now, is that I, I gotta, I gotta get out. There. I feel this really deep desire to get out there and uh, go against it, you know, and say, "Look, stop with the lie." It's basically not lie. I don't like call it lies. I, I call it stop with the unconscious behavior. <laughs> is what it is. Where yeah. the, 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 the majority of adults with alcohol are unconscious. And, and we've got to bring this into the conscious with the same way we did cigarettes. Exact yeah. same way.
0: Yeah. Um, and then just my last question is to anybody who's listening to this, um, who struggling with alcohol, um, what's like one simple thing that I can do today to help me with that connecting my conscious and unconscious?
1: Uh, it, it, so I, most people I ask them, are you, do you think about, do you, do you think, about the past where is your mind do you do you think about whenever you out and you have this incessant thing going on that 99.9 percent of humans do are you a past thinker and are you thinking about the past right now or are you a future thinker what is it that you're thinking about and then once i once they say oh i think about the future mostly like i i'm worried about it um or they're like oh man the past is then i say okay what I want you to do is really focus on being present right now. Looking around your room, being with your fingers, feeling yourself in in your present moment. Try your best to really disconnect from that thinking of past. Because that, if you if you can stay present in life, that is where the key is. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're having fear and anxiety about the future. You're it's it's that's made stuff that's going on in your head. We nobody knows the future. It's not here. You have no idea. We could all die right now. <laughs> you know, I, mm-hmm. which I was part of that. I was part of that in Hawaii. Uh, the nuclear bomb. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard about this, but it was about a year ago. Yeah. All of a sudden, a nuclear warhead is headed towards uh, Waikiki. That's where I live now. And I'm just like, okay, you know, you don't know. That's my whole point of, it was, it was 38 minutes of sitting there with my uh, three-year-old in my arms. My wife had my other child and huddling in my car saying, that's it. It's, you know, this nuclear warheads coming at us and I got to prepare for that to be the end. So we don't know. So these other things that we're, we're trivializing and thinking about of like, how do we go to a party and, you know, explain to people we no longer drink, who we've drank around, all this stuff. Just be present at that time. And they will see your presence and they mm-hmm. will know that you're, you don't need to explain yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And yourself there, you don't need to say a word. Right. <laughs> if you want to say something, tell them, Sure. <laughs> you know, because it makes me feel better. A good one on that. Uh, anytime somebody does say it, and I, I'm at a social event now, I just say, because I feel a lot better when I don't drink. That's all I yeah. say. I, I, yeah. I just feel a lot better when I don't drink. Mm-hmm. Why, don't, why aren't you drinking? I just feel a lot better when I don't drink. And that I always, really helps for <laughs> beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah. People, yeah. I always, when people, terrible. if I'm out and then somebody offers me a drink, I say, oh, I'm not drinking tonight.
1: <laughs> yeah, tonight. Exactly. And people think, oh, he's on a, he's on a month sober thing or something, you know, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Who cares what they think? now but whenever you're beginning it's a very difficult yeah it's like inside you're like what do i say to my best friends who and then if they, they you know they're gonna press you that they're drinkers with you and all, all that stuff just tell them you feel a lot better when you don't drink and you're yeah you're trying to not do that anymore and then and then keep working on mm-hmm. that unconscious belief that it benefits you in any way yeah because uh, cool. i can assure you it does not
0: No. Um, and so if, if listeners want to get in contact with you, is there a place, do you have social media, um, or.
1: Yeah. I've, I've always, I've, I've really always shied away from social media. I am not Mm -hmm. a social media guy now that I'm doing this and, uh, uh, you know, I I gotta get in there and and start doing it, um, for sure. But yeah, so we'll get that going, uh, soon. Whenever the book is released, but alcohol matrix, um, is what, you know, the book is called and we'll get it out there um, for cool. sure soon.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, doctor, and um, your insights and it's always good for me to have a conversation with another person, you know, sobriety, recovery, um, alcohol addiction, whatever you want to call it. Or I go like, huh, it's, it, it doesn't really jibe with my exact experience but i think it's important for me to hear other people's you know what i mean like it's more yeah, i'm i'm is. always interested in how other people achieve you know a better life without alcohol so absolutely yeah, awesome hey
1: thank you so much <laughs> you're it was, welcome it was wonderful talking to you I good appreciate you too it. all right take care all right take care bye, bye.
0: thanks again for listening our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at a's alcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.